everybody knows what they do and how they do it. It's the why, isn't it? We know what Mills and Reeve do. We know how they do it. They deliver collaborative advice and solution-focused advice, understanding their clients and deliver solutions for them. But why, other than we're a law firm there to make money, deliver and pay our staff, etc., is quite hard to get at. But that doesn't mean it isn't worth looking for. Hi, I'm Beldit Mankus. Welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. The podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders are doing and what they've learned along the way. My guest today is Claire Clark, the managing partner at Mills and Reeve. Claire, uh, welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. Maybe to get us going, you could share a little bit about yourself and about Mills and Reeve as a law firm. Thank you, Belden. Mills and Reeve is a national law firm, turnover about 147 million this year, about 1,200 staff, seven offices in England. We advise on a range of English law advice across different markets and sectors and are known for having a very strong culture, particularly in relation to our people. We have, for example, investors in people platinum status, at which we're very proud of. Only about 6% of businesses have that. Been in the Sunday Times top 100 list for 20 best companies, 20 years in a row. So that's the firm. And myself, I have been managing partner for eight years. I've been at the firm since 1996. I'm a corporate partner by training. 99% of my day job now is managing a large law firm. And if I've got it right, you've been fairly recently re-elected for a third term. That's correct. I'm just a month two or so into a new four-year term. Oh, fantastic. Well, just to kind of dive into one of the key things that I want to explore, you know, kind of the organization's purpose. If Mills and Reeve has a purpose, what is it? So this is still very much our work in progress, it would be fair to say. And we have spent some time looking at why purpose, what sort of purpose, why is it people join and stay at Mills and Reeve? Why is it clients like us? What is there something about the culture of Mills and Reeve, which binds the firm together. Ours is more of a cultural purpose. And we've been working on that from the basis of our strap line that we developed a few years ago, Achieve More Together, which people do feel resonates well in terms of whom we are and what we are about. So Achieving More Together echoes our collaborative culture, the way in which we get things done, we build relationships, we understand clients and their markets, and we therefore work with clients to achieve more together for our clients, achieve more together for ourselves and our people, but also the impact that we have more widely. So we're in seven offices across England and we are a significant employer in a number of those areas and therefore we have a role to play in terms of our charitable and community participation and wider aims in terms of the planet and the whole ESG agenda in terms of doing the right thing by the business in terms of our ESG credentials. And then there's something around being purposeful as an organisation and doing the right thing in terms of the governance and the decisions that we make insofar as they affect 
affect the clients that we act for, how we interact with our staff, our people, the wider environment, those kinds of things. We've dug into that and we had a sort of group of pioneers who spent time looking at what is it about Mills and Reeve, what connects you with Mills and Reeve, what disconnects you, all those kinds of things. That's as far as we have got. Okay, having got this far, is there any more we need to do? Do we need to do more in terms of implementing that single strap line and then wrapping it into a sentence or two that explains that perhaps more succinctly than I just have? Claire, the image I get, the sense I get, and you've even used words that point to it, delving, that it's, at least currently, it's a very sort of layered view of what purpose is. Yes, but it is intended to be authentic, intended to be who we are and not who we want to be necessarily. It's not a direction statement as such. So people often ask me, what's the secret sauce about Mills and Reeve? It's trying to get at that and enunciate that better a bit of a North Star over how we make decisions and how we move forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You talked about a small group of pioneers. If you could take us through the process that you used, including how you found those pioneers, what they did, who else might have gotten involved, how long it took. I mean, they were a group largely self-selected of individuals across the firm who were interested in this, like our head of ESG, Neil Pearson, our head of learning and, and knowledge, Trevor Common, and they led some people from our innovation group, but a wider group of people who were genuinely interested in this, and they ran some working groups. For example, related to that, we also did what Trevor would call a probe, just talking to people about what connects you and what disconnects you with Mills and Reeve. And we did that across a range of groupings. We looked at, for example, trainees, we looked at new associates, senior associates, principal associates, partners, people in leadership positions, people from business services, people from executive support services or secretarial groupings, and tried to pull together what connects you, what disconnects you. So that was people related and slightly more internal. There were very familiar themes Themes that came out of what connects you and what disconnects you, which we've then shared more widely with the firm because it's relevant to looking after people and just being aware of the sorts of situations when people think, oh, yeah, Mills and Reeve's got my back. You know, I've got a, a really strong connection with Mills and Reeve or occasionally the reverse and then make sure the reverse situations occur as infrequently as possible. We haven't had an external consultant help us with this. It's been sort of self-developed. We've done a bit of reading. We have talked to some people outside the business, but we haven't had anyone come in and say, here's your purpose project. Here's what we're going to do. Here are the outcomes. It's been a sort of, okay, we've got this far. What more do we need to do? How do we pull it together, tie it off? There may be now a few steps that we want to take in terms of embedding the, you know, the purposeful aspects of the firm and just tying the thing together. Mm -hmm. What led you or a group in the firm to decide that, you know, now is the time we really need to focus on purpose? What made it important enough to get on the list of, you know, things we're actually going to do versus all the things we could do? It came out of the current strategy review. We run strategy reviews on sort of five-year periods. So we're in a current strategy period to 2025. In fact, we've just embarked 
on putting in place a new strategy for 2030 because we have actually achieved quite a lot of the things that we aim to do in our 2025 strategy. But one of those was purpose-led, values-driven. So we have a one-page strategy with a number of KPIs across the top. The core part of it is being a leader in client experience, but there are some KPIs in relation to what generally we're seeking to do as a firm. And that had come out of discussions around the strategy. The purpose idea had been kicking around, so we're probably going back, you know, two or three years at that time. And a discussion of, okay, how does purpose work for professional services firms like ours? You can see how it works well for I'm going to cure cancer, uh, those kinds of things. But there was a feeling that there was something distinctive about Mills and Reeve and its culture that was worth looking at further. You know, is there a purpose that isn't just, oh, we want to be a really good law firm that makes money and, you know, delivers for clients, um, which, okay, but that doesn't go to the heart of who we are. So there was a group looking at what purpose could or should be. Purpose-led, values-driven is one of the KPIs in the firm's strategy, hence taking that forward. I mean, the values project also is a separate piece. We've got some values. They've been with the firm for quite a long time. People feel they resonate and they are lived rather than are just on a piece of paper. But again, do they need a refresh? For example, respect is one of them. It just says respect. Do you need to change that to I will show respect, we will show respect, those kinds of things. So it's been a piece of the firm strategy over the last few years, which has made some progress. And the question is just then how you finish it off, tie it up, how much more work you want to do on it. Mm -hmm. One of the things I know some law firms have sort of turned to are either things like social mobility. You know, we're going to really focus in on making sure that we're reaching out to populations that might not even think of law as a career or picking some sector that they do a lot of work in housing. We're really going to do something around housing. It sounds like that sort of thing hasn't even kind of come onto your way of thinking about it. I'm just curious if that did come up, you know, was it like, no, that's not us. We're actually about something else. Or it just sort of wasn't in the way you're approaching it? Well, there are sort of four pillars of our strategy. The core one is being a leader in client experience. But the other aspects of it are being known by our clients as a leader in our sectors and markets, as a leader in innovation, and as a leader in people experience. So basically, those two examples that you've just given are actually in two of the other areas. So being a leader in people experience, picking on that, is heavily related to the purpose and who we are as a business. Because doing the right thing as part of our culture is building a diverse, inclusive culture where people thrive and others want to join. So that's a key aspect of the leader in people experience. And so social mobility is one aspect of our DNI objectives and basically making sure you have a place where people can be themselves and it's inclusive. It's kind of part of that purpose because it's kind of, again, who we are, what we believe in and part of our people culture. So they overlap. And then, yes, there are sectors and markets we are known for. I feel less passionately about those in that those are business and commercial objectives around where we play and how we win kind of, you know, strategy. The people aspects and the DNI aspects are quite heavily entwined in who we are, you know, being a place where we treat people well, people can thrive and others want to join is part of actually our culture and therefore part of our purpose. You've mentioned you're sort of starting a next round of looking at your strategy again. How do you go about that? Is that also 
pretty much internally driven? Do people volunteer to be part of that? Or is it driven more by who's where in the org structure? How does all that work? So again, we want that to be inclusive. So we've kicked off some strategy working groups and some research groups looking at how will we play, where will we play, how do we win kind of thinking and methodology. So who are the people who would really benefit from this? We want some wide thinking. We want generational thinking, certainly not just the board, partners, lawyers, business services. And we've just been reaching out to some members of ESS, so Executive Support Services, our secretarial group. We don't want to just add people into working groups for the sake of it. We want to basically basically make sure that we are taking on board a wide grouping of views that will help a with the breadth of thinking but also the level of buy-in but also trying to play people in when they can really add something and you know for example technology and ai and the impact of that is clearly one aspect of strategy that needs to be looked at and you'd be somewhat foolish not to so we will take some external research a bit of consultancy advice that will help us with some of the thinking but mostly it's an internal led project thinking about okay where are we now? Where do we want to be for 2030? It's probably more evolutionary than revolutionary in terms of here's where we've got to in terms of our current strategy, which then built on the strategy before it, where next? So where do we need to put more emphasis in, more investment in, you know, which sectors markets? What about AI? What about people proposition? Those kinds of things. That's just started, but the idea would be by the time of our new financial year, you know, June 2024, we have a new inner page strategy to be working on. But for example, I wouldn't expect the, the sort of purpose people culture issues to go from that because they're quite heavily embedded in who we are and also how we differentiate. Nearly everybody who joins a firm joins because of its culture and its people culture. Uh, and so you would be foolish to try and throw that away. Yeah. You've sort of talked about the strategy being, or at least you're expecting it to be incremental, and it sounds like it has been. One of the words I've heard other people use to describe Mills and Reeve is sort of steady. Clearly, it's been working for you, but I just wondered if you had any thoughts about the trade-offs and the value of being steady, of being incremental, of kind of sticking with the things that have been working, adjusting them, of course, adding new things in versus some people arguing we're in a world where there's just so much change happening. You need to be responding quicker. You need to be pivoting. Any thoughts on that? I mean, it's interesting. Law firm results are all just coming out and there's been a more challenging market for law firms in the year just gone due to challenges in the economy, climate, etc. So there's a greater range of results in terms of law firms nudging up revenue or not, nudging up profits or not, our own quite broadly hedged practice has helped us, you know, because we don't have a single focus on one thing. The hedge helps. We've had, you know, continued steady growth. Being across a bunch of a whole different sectors and markets may mean it's harder to be heard in terms of what are you known for. We don't have any international offices. We operate on a very good network of best friends. Opening a lot of international offices has both risks and 
opportunities. So we have tested the risk appetite of the partner group. You know, it's got an appetite for a little bit more risk probably. But if we basically said, oh, let's just entirely scrap what we're doing and do something entirely different, I would be nervous that that would just in the current climate be the right thing to do. I do take your point. Things are changing quite rapidly. So you have to be alive to it. And you do have to, whilst you set your strategy, you have to pivot and be agile enough to change or move as the market takes you. But I'm not sure I'd denigrate a bar chart of steady increases in profits and turnover. Been that because we want a 20% or 30% growth. There's probably an appetite to nudge it up a bit, but probably not to go adventurous if you were taking your pension pot. The last part of the meeting, we did just test that appetite. There's probably a little bit more appetite for risk. Interesting. One of the, the things I think, particularly in today's world, very difficult to do and it sounds like you're doing it, is to create enough stability, not a lack of change, but enough stability that, that people can kind of feel like, yeah, it's okay. We can adapt to the changes that are occurring at a pace that fits that without losing who we are. I think that's an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. And like I say, it sounds like you've so far managed to make that happen. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> never count your chickens. You, you know, there's so much going on in the market that you you just have to try and do your best, as it were. No, no, I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> so as you've been sort of leading the firm and both probing into this question of purpose and you know taking the strategy forward, what surprised you most throughout all that? Perhaps the consistency, you know, for example, in relation to the probe around what connects you, what disconnects you, how consistent it was in terms of the sort of things that connected people, whether you were a partner or whether you were an, an EA or someone in business services or a trainee. The context changes slightly, but the consistency over who we are and what we do and, and sort of what connects was incredibly consistent, which did that surprise me? Perhaps not. It's confirmatory that there is that hefty level of these are the things that work and connect us. And where we do these things, I feel really connected to the firm. And what if anything's been difficult in that? You make it sound almost, I won't say effortless, but almost sort of like, well, some people came together and they asked a few questions and it became obvious and it wasn't a big surprise. There we were. But was there anything in it that either that you found difficult or you think was a bit difficult for the organization? I suppose the difficult piece will be what next, which, as you can see, I'm, I'm slightly grappling with. And also, for example, being purposeful in how you make your decisions how do you do that without it becoming a sort of tick box exercise? So, for example, if you add ESG onto every board meeting decision or agenda without it just becoming, OK, here's the ESG tick. So that there are some more challenging pieces about having reached this stage, how you embed things in your values, how you make sure people keep up with changing cultures and are as inclusive as possible in terms of how they interact with people from different cultures and backgrounds and those kinds of things. None of those things are easy. And the challenges are just having got so far, where do you go next? And where do you go next that's purposeful and meaningful and not a tick box exercise? I think in this box of where next, you've got this sort of rich, layered sense of what your purpose is and who you are. Do you really want to boil it all? I mean, you've got a good enough strap line, nothing wrong with that. Do you feel you need to boil it down? Or is there actually some value in leaving it slightly 
unresolved, you know, not completely consolidated? Uh, well, there might be. It's a good point, actually. Yeah. This is my possibly my personal desire to tidy things up, finish projects and move on. And people do say purpose evolves, it changes. You need to keep looking at it. It's just sort of hanging there at the moment. So you, you might be right. That might be enough for now. Yeah. Do you feel throughout this, particularly this, this more recent bit of looking at your purpose and all, do you think you've changed at all? Have you learned anything through that? Something you're taking forward in your role as a leader in the firm thinking, oh, yeah, I need to focus more on that or I need to rethink this? I'm personally quite people centric. You know, seeing people thrive and develop is what motivates me and drives me forward. So I try personally to do the right thing by our people. And I'm interested in what motivates them and who they are and how we can make the business better. The exercise has put that even more perhaps front of mind. I also chair the firm's diversity and inclusiveness steering group and wellbeing steering group, DISWG. The business isn't perfect. There are things we still need to do. It just puts you more front of mind over small things make quite a big difference to people often. Positive things that you can do can make a positive difference and sometimes unthinking things or not saying thank you or not checking in on people have quite a detrimental effect. So in effect, just brought that more slightly front of mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you had any advice to give another business leader who was themselves thinking about their own organization's purpose and how might it connect to their strategy, what advice might you give? I think it is helpful to think who it is you are and what it is that distinguishes you from other people to try and find something that is authentic and resonates with people and they believe in. Everybody knows what they do and how they do it. It's the why, isn't it? We know what Mills and Reeve do. We know how they do it. They deliver collaborative advice and solution-focused advice, understanding their clients and deliver solutions for them. But why, other than we're a law firm there to make money, deliver and pay our staff, etc., is quite hard to get at. But that doesn't mean it isn't worth looking for. Yeah. One of the things I've seen through other interviews is there. Actually, a, a huge array of businesses, but law firms clearly fit in this category where whatever they're accomplishing in the world, whatever good they're doing in the world, to some large extent comes through what they're doing for other people. That's such a broad range. Sometimes it's very hard to say, what's the big why? And I think the way you focused on, well, part of our why is being a certain kind of place, having a certain culture, giving people an opportunity to work in a place that works for them, that provides great legal advice, it does all that. But it's as much about being who we are as anything else. I think that's a very helpful way to look at it. You sort of touched on earlier, you mentioned that people join Mills and Reeve to some large extent because of the culture. And it sounds to me like one element of that culture is you're not about making as much money as you can. We don't want to drive people within, you know, a 24-7 switch-on culture. I think people expect they have to work hard, that the demands of clients are such that you are expected to deliver on time and be responsive. But there are ways of doing that in a way that is respectful of people and understands that people are people and not 
only a resource. So I think you can do that. There is a limit over that, but I think you can deliver an acceptable work-life balance within reason and the demands of clients and just be more thoughtful about people and the impact of people in the way that you do that is still an achievable outcome. You sort of raised the whole issue of hours and billable hours. And as I'm sure you know, some firms have really extreme targets. Some firms have totally given up those sorts of targets and other firms have tied bonus into those sorts of things. I'm just curious where you see Mills and Reeve sitting in the midst of, you know, it's one thing to say, well, we're not trying to push people 24-7, but do you have targets? And if so, how do they compare to other firms? We do have targets and we do seek to reward people based on their total contribution, not only their hours and fees, but other things they do. The kind of equation, if you want to earn the most money that you possibly can as a lawyer, it isn't going to be probably at Mills and Reeve, but there is a trade-off for that in terms of what your expectations in terms of commitment and hours are. And I think people do understand that. Hmm. What questions, if any, do you have for me? Do you think I need to tie off the purpose piece in a sort of tidy manner, which my corporate law brain pushes me towards? Or do you think it's okay to leave it hanging and still there? It could be a bit tidier than it currently is, perhaps is the answer. Yeah, yeah. I think there's sometimes an unrecognized value in the continuing tension of something unresolved. Mm, that's a good thought. It's tied off and now it's there and we put it on the wall and we're done. And that's not actually where you want people to be. You want people to be in, no, no, this is something we're still almost, I won't say moment by moment, but at times we need to kind of check, is this really, is this really who we are? Is this really what we're about? There's huge value in closing things off and going, we're done with that, done. The organization don't do that often enough. But equally, I think there's an unrecognized value in the unresolved. Good. That's good. Thank you for that. No, you're very welcome. Thank you for that great question. Anyway, Claire, I really appreciate you coming along. really appreciate your sharing kind of where you are. I particularly like that you're, if I could put it this way, sort of in the middle on a bunch of things. Or maybe not in the middle. It sounds like on the purpose, you're almost, if not at the end, coming to an end of some sort. And on the strategy, beginning to get going. So... Really appreciate you joining us. Really appreciate your comments and your candor. Thank you. Thanks, Belden. Good to talk. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. In addition to being available on our website, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please do follow us and leave a five-star review. It helps others find the podcast. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode.